And um, this morning, uh, if you want to get the, the preview, I guess, we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 1. But we want to talk about wisdom this morning. And uh, how many of you know we need wisdom in our world today? <laughs> um, it seems like uh, common sense is on vacation. Uh, it seems like things that should be rudimentary and foundational truths, uh, we have to teach them all over again. Uh, but that is the job of the church. It's for us to set the pace. It's not for us to whine and complain about what we see in the world. It's for us to see where we're going and to go there and to lead people into the truth that God provides in His Word. And as we, as we talk about this, we've we got to understand that maybe it's, it's you. We've got lots of options on any given day. Um, now, you've got your way to do... Uh, to make those options. You've got the world's way to make those options, or you can have a better way, which is you choose God's way to uh, determine those options. And, and you've got to make up your mind what you're going to use to decide, because uh, many of us on any given day have important decisions to make. But how do you make that decision? How do you decide? How do you know if it's the right decision? Because I don't know about you, but I've made bad decisions. And I didn't think it was a bad decision until I got the consequences, and I thought, that's a bad decision. Or even worse, we make a bad decision, we face the consequences, we blame somebody else. But the reality is, maybe as God's people, we need to be responsible to make godly decisions Now, how do we make godly decisions if we don't know what God would have us do? That's why I'm telling you this morning, we need to, again, come back to the basics of the Bible. You need to know it. You need to read it. You need to live it. Because if we don't do those three things, we're going to make choices based on either our past and our we messed up last time, so we're probably going to mess up this time. And that can be a long, painful process. And I'd like to save you that process of learning, oh, failure, 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 failure. And, and sometimes failures lead to great success. That, and I love this story because it's so simple. We haven't heard of uh, WD 1 through 39. But everybody here has probably heard of WD 40. Did you know that it was the actual 40th? mixture, that he finally got it right, and now it's on the shelves of almost any hardware store in many homes. It's WD-40, water displacement ex- uh, uh, formula number 40. But what happened to 39 and 38 and 1 and 15? We don't have any of those. And there can be trial and trial and trial and finally success. But do you want 40 failures in your life? before you finally get the right one? Do you want to chew through relationships? Do you want to chew through jobs? Do you want to chew through uh, the, the time that you have trying to fix a bunch of mess? Or do you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the people around you that is abundant and great and peaceful and joyful? And if we learn to make proper decisions, we can do this. Because this morning, it's hard, but even in a crowd our size this morning, The Bible says there's about three different kinds of people in the world. There's the wise, there's the scoffers, 
and there's the fools. <laughs> and if you're a, a fan of TV, like I'm a fan of TV, whenever I hear that word, I think of a, uh, uh, a big buff black man with a black mohawk and lots of jewelry uh, that says, I pity the fool. And I'm here to tell you, you shouldn't pity the fool because the fool makes foolish choices. And the fool sometimes sets himself up. So I'm hoping that as we walk through this this morning, you can learn to be wise. And here's the great news. If you're a fool right now, you can leave here this morning gaining some wisdom. But that's up to you. I'm going to give you the information. I'm going to put some tools in your toolbox so that you can learn to use good wisdom and to use godly wisdom. Because the wisdom of the world doesn't always get you where you want to be. Sometimes it's backwards. And we have to figure that out. So let's jump into this this morning. If you're in Second Chronicles chapter 1, uh, we're going to hear about a man that was, according to Scripture, the wisest man that there ever was, and his name was Solomon. Second, or Second Chronicles chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 10. Now, God gave the opportunity for Solomon to reign and rule. And I'm going to start at verse 1, and, and we'll work our way down real quick. But, and there's a, there's a bunch of history here, but I think we need to see this. Now Solomon, who is the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. Now look at this. Here's a, here's a king named Solomon. It's the son of David, who was a, a man after God's own heart, but God decided, David, it's time for you to be done with your kingdom. And it should have fallen to Absalom, his next son, but that went very poorly. There was a mess in David's house. Uh, and, and this is a success story for any of the, anybody who had mess in their family. God can deal with messy families. Isn't that nice? There's no perfect families in the Bible. Isn't that great? <laughs> and so if you're in a messy situation, think, well, that's not like my family, then you're in good company. God can take a mess and turn it into something wonderful. But God was with him, and look at God was exalting him. And so Solomon spoke to all of Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges and to every leader in all of Israel, the heads of the fathers of houses. And Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon. For the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. Now notice where he's going. When he needed answers, he went to God. All right? But David had brought up the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim to the place David had prepared for it, and he had played, pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Now the bronze altar was there the son of Ur had made. He put that in the tabernacle of the Lord Solomon, and the assembly sought him there. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Now think about this. Solomon wanted to make sure that God understood... I'm for you. I'm sacrificing to you. This is about me and you. It, it, I'm going to try to lead Israel, but I need your guidance. And if I'm going to lead all these people, think about this, captains of thousands and hundreds, he's got a whole nation that's looking to him. There was no political process. There's one man that's setting the tone for all of Israel. And he sacrifices a thousand bulls to the Lord. 
because he knew there had been a lot of sin. Verse 7, on that night, God appeared to Solomon and he said, you just ask, what shall I give you? Think about this. This can be your story. If we seek God, I love what they used to call it, the tabernacle of meeting. It wasn't just a place to go and hang out. He was expecting to meet God. What do you expect this morning? To try to stay awake? <laughs> to just do your time? Are you already thinking about lunch? Are you? What's your expectation? You see, Solomon went to meet God, and he sacrificed And he made sure the pathway, look at he went through all those things. The labor speaks of purification and on and on. Every one of those steps in the the old-fashioned tabernacle led them to the presence of God. Here he is to meet God. And guess what? God shows up and he says, you just ask. What do you want me to give you? I mean, you think about that. That's a big, big blank check that he's just said in front of Solomon. Solomon, verse 8, said to God, You've shown great mercy to David, my father, and you've made me king in this place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Here's the ask. Are you ready? Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may... Go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you have asked not for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king, Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. Now listen to this. You asked for wisdom and knowledge. You didn't ask for all that stuff, but look at what God says. You asked for wisdom and knowledge, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have like you have. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 6 when it says, Seek first his kingdom. And all this will be added to you. You see, he came seeking wisdom and knowledge. Help me to rule these people well. He could have asked for a bigger army. He could have asked for immortality. He could have asked for a a lot of riches to be able to finance all kinds of things that he wanted to do. But he said, I want to have wisdom and knowledge. And those two things need to be combined. If you're very wise, but you don't know how to use that wisdom, it's almost useless. Or you may have the skills, but you don't have the wisdom to know what to do. And he knew, I need wisdom. What should I do? And how should I do it? And I'm going to ask you for that. I'm not going to assume that just because I'm king that I've got that. And God said, that's a good ask. And because you asked for that, I can trust you with the honor and the wealth and the riches and everything. And there will never be another king like you. How do you want your legacy to be? 
Do you want to be known as somebody that followed the directions of the Lord, that people could come to you for wise advice, that you had wisdom and knowledge? Because those are important things that can get us into a lot of trouble when we lack those things. It can lead to really bad circumstances. So now we've set the tone here of what God wants to do. And, and he says to ask, and did you know the New Testament also comes and refills that? He said, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. Not only that, ask and I will give you liberally. I'll just pour it out. You keep asking, I'll keep pouring. The problem is we think we know. What arrogance, what pride, what stupidity. We don't know what God knows. And he sees in you what you don't see in yourself. He knows what you're capable of, both good and bad. And we need to ask him instead of asking other people. Google doesn't know what God knows. That self-help book, that TV show, those commentators, they don't know what God knows. And if you want worldly results, ask the world. You want limited results? Go ahead. Call Oprah. Call Dr. Phil. Call some human and ask him. Or if you want something that only God can give, why don't you go to God? The problem is we're resistant to that. Our pride, our ego, our time. I don't know how long it took to do a thousand bull sacrifice, but I'll bet you it took some time. I'll bet you it took time to journey from where he was to go to the tent of meeting. I'll bet you he had to set aside time to meet with God. And then he waited for God to answer. And see, the problem is when we aren't in that habit, we just make a decision. And then when we get in the mess, then we run to God. Well, the mess has already happened. (laughs) Oh, God, get me out of this. I didn't get you into it. You got you into it. And there's a lot of times, and this is a pet peeve of mine, so excuse the rent. I despise when people make stupid choices and blame it on God. Or even worse, they do stupid things and blame that on God. Well, that's Christianity for you. No, that's a stupid person. They may call themselves Christian, but they weren't using any wisdom. They weren't using any knowledge. They just did what they wanted to do, and then they thought that God would just fix it for them, and that ain't how it works. We should be thankful for His mercy and His grace. He doesn't just smoke us on the spot. But here's some principles I want to throw out to you this morning. We may make our decisions, but our decisions also make us. We make our decisions, but our decisions make us. So shouldn't we make right decisions? If we know that our decisions are going to make us or break us, wouldn't you want to make good decisions? King Solomon says, I want wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? Look at this. Which one's better, wisdom or gold? Well, if you ask the American culture, what's better? We seem to be lacking in wisdom. (laughs) 
We should choose understanding rather than silver. Proverbs 4 and 7, wisdom is supreme. Now think about this for a minute. What's supreme? Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all that you have, get understanding. Look at this. He's telling us this is the most priceless thing you can invest in. This is the thing to set your sights on. You need to get wisdom. You need to find and seek understanding. But where do we seek it? And I'm here this morning to say there's a place you can find it. It's called the Bible. We all know where to get worldly experience, but if you want to get worldly results, keep doing what you're doing. You'll keep getting what you're getting, or you can stop, and you can stop today. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit that you now have control to say, I'm going to seek something different. I'm going to go a new way. I'm going to choose differently now. I'm going to get some wisdom, but where do I get that wisdom? I'm going to go to God. I'm going to ask Him. I'm going to ask his opinion. I'm going to ask if this is wise or not. I'm going to ask him for wisdom. I'm going to say, Lord, as I search the Scriptures, would you do this? And it may sound cliche, but maybe we've gotten so far off track, we need to come back to the simple fact of asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? Because I think we know what he wouldn't do. (laughs) What would Jesus do? What would be the scriptural, biblical thing to do? Or what's the easy thing to do? What's the thing that costs me nothing? What's the thing I don't even have to think about? It's easy to make that decision. When we make our decisions, realize that our decisions will make us. And we've all known stories, maybe you're the story, (laughs) You chose one thing thinking it would be a good thing, and pretty soon it wasn't such a good thing. I think of a man from one of our previous churches that he came excited. He'd gotten a good job with better pay, but now he's working most weekends, and he's traveling a lot, and now he's missing church. And pretty soon he's coming back, he says, you know, my family's in, in disarray. Because there's a principle at work which is called honoring the Sabbath. And you wanted to get money. And you got the money, but you lost your family. How much is it going to cost to buy your family back? There's no amount. There's even a generation that just told their kids, you need to get in church. And they came and sat in church. But they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know why there was. There was no relationship. And guess what? That generation, they're weeping because their kids aren't in church. Because all it was was a place to go. You need to get in church. Well, just because you come to this building doesn't mean that you're practicing biblical principles. But if we start practicing what the Bible says, we'll start seeing results like the Bible shows we can have. And it doesn't mean you're perfect. Remember who David was. This is a murderer, a liar, and an adulterer that still kept his heart right with God by repenting. Right? Isn't it amazing that Solomon even said that? I want you to honor my father who stood before you. And you told him that you would always have a king in the lineage of David on the throne. And isn't it amazing that thousands of years later, Jesus comes on the scene to be the king forever in the lineage of David to be over us. 
Now, the opposite of wisdom, we know this is foolishness. If you didn't know that, you gained your first part of wisdom today. The opposite of wisdom is foolishness. Now, I looked this up, and it's funny. It says it's a lack of good sense. Okay? It's a lack of good sense. It's a lack of judgment. I love this. This is right from Merriam-Webster. It's a lack of good sense, a lack of judgment, stupidity. It just says it right there. Now, did you know that stupidity is a choice? There's a difference between deep being dumb or ignorant. That just means you haven't learned yet. Stupid is a choice. And now you understand, after reading this so far, why Mr. P- Mr. T pities the fools. Because <laughs> no good thing comes to fools. Let's talk about this for just a minute. So according to Mr. T, don't be a fool, get wisdom. But how do we do that? Great question. Here's what fools do. Fools act before they think. Now, the great part is, almost all of us here, if you're still alive, you've, you've been a teenager at one point, and you know exactly what this means. Right? Unfortunately, now we're seeing that at 30 for some people. <laughs> they act before they think. You didn't think it through. You just did it. You just responded. It was just a a twitch. It was just a reflex. But it's not that way. Look what the Scripture says. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. Think about that. Wise people think before they act. Should I do this? How is this going to affect? They begin a process. They don't just say, sure, And if you ever want to look up foolishness, you can look it up. There's actual websites. Some of it call it the, uh, the Darwin site of all these people that do stupid stuff and remove themselves from the gene pool. One of my particular favorites is a, is a, a guy and his buddy. His buddy says, hey, I think there's something wrong with my driveline. I don't know if it's out of balance or what, but I can't figure it out. So he had his buddy drive while he tried to climb under the truck to see what the problem was. And before long, as you can imagine, the guy started hurting, clunk, clunk, clunk. The guy got wrapped up in the drivetrain and was killed. I'm thinking, did society a favor right there? Now, if somebody had asked him, do you think it's the wisest choice to drive down the road at 50 miles an hour, try to climb under your truck while it's moving, and grab a hold of the driveline? Do you think you should do that? Maybe he would have said, well, I never thought of that. But he didn't think. He just acted. And all of us have had those things. Hey, I mean, I was talking to somebody last night about this. When you're, when you're 12 or 13, you think, you don't even think about it. Oh, I don't care. I jump off the roof, and I know I'm going to land in the grass. When you're 40, you've got some different questions. What happens if I don't land right? What happens when I break my leg, and I'm not working, and I don't have good insurance, and on and on? You start thinking differently. I remember we went on a, a vacation uh, last year, and uh, you can 
you can be far enough away to not be able to see their faces, and, and you can put two people in a situation, and I can tell you who the young person is and who the old person is. There were people jumping off of tall rocks where we were at, jumping into the water. And the first person went up, and they just looked and jumped. Young person. And then you see the next person get up there, and they're like... We act like we're warming up, but what we're doing is we're going through a checklist in our mind. You know, when you get old, you've got to loosen up a little bit. And... Because you're trying to think of a good reason why not to do this, right? I don't need to prove anything. I've got to work tomorrow. If this doesn't go well, I could be in some big trouble. You begin to think. But when you're a teenager, you've got hormones and stuff in, that keeps you from doing this. You just act. But unfortunately, if you don't get that out of your system, you can be 30, 40, 50, and you're still acting without thinking. You want to be a fool? Act before you think. Fools also spend all they earn. Look what the Bible says. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. Look at this. They've got stuff stored up. They're not hoarders, but they know that sometimes there's gaps. Sometimes we need a little extra. Sometimes we don't always have what we used to have, and it'd be nice to have some reserves, a little safety net. Let's contrast that. But a foolish man devours all that he has. Now, think about this. You know what this causes? This causes somebody to do the first part all over again. Well, I don't have any food. Now I've got to go beg, or now I've got to go steal, or now I've got, I got to find food. And now they're not thinking. What they should have thought was, next time, I better save up some. Next time, I better not eat all that I have. How about you? Are you barely living from paycheck to paycheck? That's not the way to live. That's not the abundant life that God has for you. And I'm not here as a financial advisor. I'm here to tell you that's foolish. Because you don't know the next thing that's going to come down the line that's going to put you in jeopardy. I've just seen too many stories, and they're always filled with tears. Somebody that they're barely making it, and then the transmission goes out, and then the dryer stops, and then they lay off for the, for the summer, or they lay off for the holidays, and now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, and now I guess we've got to take our big screen TV back, or we've got to do this on consignment, and it's always filled with pain and tears. It's never, man, I am so blessed that I never planned for anything, and that I've spent all that I've got. I just love that. I've never heard that story. You want to be a fool? Spend all that you earn. You want to go beyond a fool? Spend more than you earn. (laughs) Fools hurt those they love, usually because of the first two. (laughs) All these are this trickle-down effect. Look what the Bible says. The wise woman builds her house. Right? The wise woman builds. Builds her house. And they're not talking about taking nails and hammer. They're talking about the spiritual, emotional structure of how they build that house that makes it into a home, not just a building. But look at the contrast. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. With their own hands, 
They begin to do foolish things and act in foolish ways. And everybody that's had an addiction or a problem or something that they didn't get a hold of, pretty soon stuff starts going away. One of my great friends, mentor, he's, he's with Jesus now. But he would always talk about specifically alcohol because that was something he overcame and I can relate. I've, I've overcome that, thank God. But he said alcohol at its nature is a solvent. And he said, you know what solvents do? It makes things go away. My wife, my job, my money, my respect. But we say, well, we can handle it. Because you're acting without thinking. Our words, our actions... Every person that gets caught up in that type of a lifestyle from gambling to drug addiction, they never started out thinking, good, in about a year I'll be stealing from somebody. In a year from now, I'll probably be homeless and broke and having to depend on strangers for my life. I I, I can't wait to get there. But with their own hands, they begin to tear down their homes and their reputations and their jobs. Because they didn't think. Last but not least, you want to be a fool? Think that you know it all. Look what the Bible says. Fools think that their way is right, but the wise listen to others. See, this is a big problem right now. There's a lot of talking going on. Social media, on the news, everybody's talking, but nobody's listening. (laughs) Nobody's using that good sense, that righteous judgment, that stuff we were talking about at the beginning of wisdom. Everybody's talking. Everybody's accusing. Everybody's pointing fingers. But nobody's listening. And somehow we've got it in our DNA that if I have to ask somebody's advice, it makes me weak. No, it makes you wise. And when you're 16 and you think you know it all, you haven't even driven a car. I heard a great example of this a few weeks ago that a pastor, successful pastor, he's got six kids. And his middle boy is now a teenager and he's, he's getting interested in girls. And so he goes to talk to his son and his son says to him, Dad, come on, I got this. And so he says, have you ever kissed a girl? Well, no. Have you ever dated a girl? Well, no. And he says, son, I've got six kids. I think I know a little bit more about women than you do. But a 16-year-old, he's got it figured out, man. He knows it. At least he thinks he does. Question is, it doesn't just stop at 16, does it? How many lives would have been positively changed, saved from the pain and the struggle, had you just stopped to ask advice? And can I tell you why most people don't ask advice? They don't want to hear no. They don't want to hear, have you thought about, they just want to do what they want to do, and that's the way of fools. So I'm telling you, find somebody that's mature. Find somebody that you can respect. And when you ask them and they say, I wouldn't do that, listen to them. Please, please listen to them. 
The world is full of places that will stick something into you and keep drawing it out and drawing it out until you are empty because you won't ask advice. Go buy a car sometime. They'll make it sound like they're doing you such a favor. All you need is $3,000 down and well, you can afford this payment for the next 89 months, right? 89 months? Do you know why they say 89 months? Because it sounds better than 8 years or 9 years or 10 years. A year is a long time, but 89 months, that's not that long. The problem is in less than 60 months, you're not going to want that car anymore. And it's now half or less than it was evaluated when you bought it. And that $52,000 truck you bought is now worth $20,000. Such a great deal. That's why they take your keys. So you don't take them back and drive away. (laughs) Use wisdom and be able to say, I may be able to afford that, but I'm not paying that. You can leave the dealership, but we want a car. Maybe you need to keep the one you've got and drive it till the wheels fall off. Maybe that would be wise. Just a little advice, just a little thought there. So how do we get wisdom? That's a great question. How do we get wisdom? You don't have to go to a school. You don't have to take a class. You don't have to listen to a series. You don't have to buy a tape. You can find wisdom. First of all, you have to be willing to look for it. Okay? How do we get wisdom? First one is fear God. Now, I'm not going to make the assumption this morning that everybody here is a born-again or sold-out believer, follower of Jesus Christ. And, and maybe you're still weighing that in the balance. Great, but I'm just telling you, if you want the life that you say that you want, start with the fear of the Lord. I would rather you start fearing Him first before you start following Him. And I'm going to try to be gracious with this next part. This Saturday, we did a funeral in this building, and almost every one of these seats was full for a 19-year-old girl that didn't choose wisdom. Just plain and simple, that's what it was. The newspaper is going to call it a traffic accident, but it was a lack of wisdom. And the 19-year-old girl's life was ended tragically, and another girl's life is going to be changed the person that was driving dramatically because of a lack of wisdom. The car didn't fail. There wasn't an error. But wisdom can change our lives on the plus, and we begin to take an upward course in our life, or we can reject wisdom, and pretty soon tragedy and trial and struggle and toil begins to be the hallmark of our life 
And then we say, I don't know why my life is so hard. Because you continue to choose foolishness over wisdom. Because I'll tell you, wisdom will cost you something. It cost King Solomon a thousand bulls. It cost him the time to go seek God. And he gave God permission to say no. He gave God permission to speak in and say, wait. He gave God permission to say, I wouldn't do that if I was you. And the Bible is full of people. You read through a lot of the Old Testament, you'll see this reoccurring theme. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, and soon his kingdom was gone. And soon he was dead, and soon he was overthrown, and on and on. And we think we can walk our way and do our own thing, and that God will just bless us. That is a lie, and that is foolish. And I've heard all the excuses. We got so busy. But then tragedy strikes. Oh, I got distracted. And then tragedy strikes. And thank God that He can use tragedy to bring you back. That He can take that distraction to bring you back. But if you choose to stay on that path, you will find yourself wishing you'd use wisdom. And that starts with the fear of the Lord. And I'm just telling you, if the wisest man in the world, Solomon, says it, I think that he knows what he's talking about. And I'll give you the full story. Those of you who know the story, Solomon himself fell prey to foolishness because he took his eyes off the Lord. You want to know how, how easy that happened? He had 700 wives, 70 wives. Well, that was the first unwise thing he did. Starting up with one. But he took his eyes off of God, and he started to progressively move away. God said, don't take any foreign wives. And he had a reason why not to take wives, but don't take foreign wives. Why? They'll begin to lead you astray. And pretty soon he's worshiping Egyptian gods. And in order to please his wives and to fulfill that lifestyle, he starts making concessions and compromises, and pretty soon he's undone. And the wisest man there was forgot about wisdom. We have to keep coming back to this. And that place where we seek wisdom is God. Look what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. So those of you that don't know God... You've got to figure this out where you're setting yourself up for a life that you wish you didn't have. And those of you that are following God, you need to choose God. It's the beginning of wisdom. Your salvation's the entry point, not the finish line. I was telling a, a good friend last night, I saw a short video on this, and, and I, I wish it, was, it wasn't well done, but it was so, so pointed, so powerful, is they show it in slow motion, a man running, and there's this huge line of people in front of him, and as he crosses, he lifts up his hands, and you're thinking, oh, he, he made it. It's obviously a marathon, but then they pan up, and it's the starting line. He was in a huge marathon, and he was at the back of the starting line. I mean, they've got thousands of people that run. And so he's running and running and running and running and running. And he gets to the front, and that's just the starting line. <laughs> that's salvation, folks. That is not the finish line. That's the beginning 
of your knowledge. That's the beginning of how you start your life. You don't just get saved and then go do your life. That's the beginning. Fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Look at that. Remember he said you should find understanding. It's better than silver. What is understanding? Knowledge of the Holy One. Who is the Holy One? God. How do I get that knowledge? I'm glad you asked. It's called the Bible. It's called prayer. It's called walking in the Spirit. It's called following Jesus Christ. And you can't say, I've got knowledge, and not do all of those things, or you're a fool. And I don't care what you call yourself. You can call yourself believer, Christian, whatever else. But if you're not following what he says or doing what he does, you're not really that no matter what you call yourself. That's just leading you to foolishness. And I pity the fool that calls himself Christian that's going to stand before God someday. And he's going to say, I didn't know you. Fear God. That's how we get wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. Secondly, ask God. James tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. You see, the problem is, even with the first one, instead of fearing God, we fear people, we fear rejection, we fear confrontation, we've got all these other problems that we fear. How about fearing God? And and what I mean fear is not, He's going to squash us. Fear is honor, reverence, respect. You see, the, the Hebrews had a word for this. It was nabal, which means stupid, wicked, impious, vile, perverse. And if you don't know what impious means, they used to say of people, I mean, uh, oh, he's a very pious man. We don't use that word anymore. But impious means the opposite. It means no respect, no reverence for God. Church, this is the land we live in now, unfortunately. This is a culture where many of us work and play and live. But it doesn't mean it has to affect you. You can still fear God. You can still ask Him for wisdom. And He gives it generously. He gives it liberally. You want to know how to make that good decision? He gives it, look at this, without finding fault. Isn't that great? When you ask for wisdom, God didn't say, well, what are you, stupid? Because he knows if you had the answer, you probably wouldn't be asking him. And he doesn't find fault. He's like, well, once you clean up your life, I'll tell you. He doesn't say that either. He says he gives it generously. You want wisdom? Great, here you go. You ask, and it will be given to you. Here's another great one, especially for those of you that struggle with rejection. You want to get wise? Hang out with wise people. Now, I don't mean wise guys. Wise people. Because in every one of those stories, if somebody did something stupid, they've always got a friend that they turn to and say, hey, watch this. And even as parents, what do we say? Well, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? In today's culture, a lot of people would say, yep. Hang out with wise people. One great man said, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you're hanging out with thugs and drug addicts and people that are barely making it and have been divorced five times, 
Now, again, maybe you're the bright light to shine for them, but those are your friends. Maybe it's time for you to get new friends. Maybe you've got a good group, and you're the smartest person in your group. It's time for you to get a new group. Just like Solomon, we can always level up or we start to fall into foolishness. I got this. I know how to do this. And pretty soon, we're, we're stuck. We're starting to do things we didn't know we were doing. Look at what Proverbs says. He who walks with the wise does what? Grows wise. Now, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time here. He says, he who walks with the wise. So that doesn't mean you have to call up somebody wise and go walk the park. But walking means practicing. You don't just call them up and, hey, uh, I got uh, three days before I'm getting evicted. Can you help me? I get those calls all the time. Maybe you didn't know that, but as a church, we get those calls all the time. We never get them in advance. Hey, I've been really poor with my finances. I've been spending on stuff that I shouldn't have bought in. And in three months, I'm going to get evicted. I never get that call. I get, hey, can you help me out? I need $2,100. You're going to kick me out tomorrow. Walk with wise people. Those wise people will show you how to deal with life. Those wise people will stop and say, whoa, 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 trap there. Don't step there. Come, come around this way. There you go. And you learn, oh, that's what a trap looks like. We do this with our kids, right? At least I hope you did. I hope you didn't take your child and say, look, this is a hot oven. What happens? They start moving towards the stove, and what do you say? Hot no, no. Hot. You don't wait till they scald themselves and then say, well, that's what you get. They start potty training, or you just let them figure it out. Gets a little messy when they're 10, but hey. Or do you have to start implying wisdom? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you, you start figuring this out with them and helping them figure it out? They're hoping that you're wise enough to teach them. But it doesn't stop. We all need people ahead of us that we look to and say, what would a wise person do? What would we do? What should? And even more importantly, what shouldn't I do? Look what he says. If you walk with the wise, you grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Do you want that in your life? I mean, think about this. Every weekend, this plays out in, in cities, no matter how big they are across America, because somebody and his buddies are going to be sitting in a bar, and somebody's going to say something to somebody, and the companion of those guys are going to get in a fight that they didn't pick. And as a former nurse, I used to hear this all the time. What were you doing? I was just minding my own business, and some guy punched me. Now, by minding my own business, that means I was drunk and mouthing off to somebody, but I was just minding my own business. And then you wonder, these people suffer harm emotionally, physically, financially. You know why? They're fools. And it could have been different. Because I'm going to 
lay something on. Some of you don't even know the name, but the man Warren Buffett that's like the richest man in America, he's just a guy like you and me. But he found some wise people to learn from. And he's going to figure out what's the wise thing to do. Hey, what's going on? He watches and he looks and he's a constant student. And we should be too. We should be students of the Word. Learn from God's Word, not from the world. That's where it suffers harm. Because I wish, I wish that come in here once a week or even four times a month would make your life better. But if you continue to walk with fools and live your life like a fool, it's not going to help. You've got to make a decision. You've got to choose wisdom. The Bible also says, how much better to get wisdom than gold. Remember that? That means if you had all the gold you needed, what should you trade it for? Better to be a a rich fool (laughs) or to be wise life application this morning which of those four areas is your biggest weakness are you the act before you think person are you the spend all you earn person are you the hurt those you love person or are you the know it all I don't need you to tell me One of those four areas is your biggest struggle. What's your next step? I just gave you all those steps. Maybe you need to fear God. Maybe you need to ask. I don't know what that step is for you. Maybe this week's the week where you swap up and you find some better friends. Find a mentor. Find somebody that can look at your life and speak into your life. And then you've got to listen. Last application here, and I'll, I'll let you go. Not only the what's the next step. Listen, are part of a, an exciting time in our life, the church that we got saved in. Two services, a Sunday, Sunday night service. I mean, it's just it's an awesome church, great men of God. And, and then there was a, a pastoral change. The pastor that had been there for 19 years moved along, and a new pastor came, and, and he had the right heart. And he said, I want somebody to come in and evaluate how we're doing things. And they hired a consulting group to come in and, and evaluate them. And the consulting group came back after a couple weeks of being in the services, talking to everybody, and they gave him a list of about 10 things. It was amazing. And I thought, man, that's, that's so smart. And then the leadership got together. And they looked at those 10 things, and they said, nah, we got this. Now, the first question is, why pay for a consulting group and then not listen to the consultation? But pride, you see, they were going along good, but it wasn't long before it wasn't so good. And then another pastor, and then another pastor, and then another pastor. Think about that. Good pastor, strong church, 19 years, and then another pastor, and then another pastor, and then another pastor, and then another pastor, and things aren't so good. 
Not because they weren't called to pastor, but because what that group saw was beginning to play out. And when we ignore the advice and consultation of those that are wiser than us and see what we don't see, we're setting ourselves up for bumpy road ahead. So for you that are young and still under the influence of your parents, they're not trying to run, run your life or ruin your life. I know it seems like it. But when they say that boy is nothing but bad news, believe them. They've been there. Your mama probably knows that boy. She probably dated that boy. Maybe she married that boy. <laughs> and she knows that he's wrong. What's wrong with your parents telling you your friends are bad news? Or good friends? What are those categories do you need to work on? And what do you got to do? You don't have to, great part is you don't have to call me. You don't have to search the internet. You can get the wisdom you need right from God's word. And then you got to apply it. So would you stand up with me this morning? There's days I wish that people wouldn't think poorly of me when they come after making years and years and multiple bad decisions and I could just look at them over my desk with the tears rolling down their face and I could just say, I pity the fool that's made dumb choices like you. But it wouldn't be helpful. (laughs) It wouldn't be received. But some of you need the wake-up call this morning. Stop making foolish decisions. Stop making ungodly decisions. And make a change today. And today can be the day you get wisdom. (laughs) Today can be the day that your life starts to go upward instead of downward. You start to gain instead of lose. Wouldn't that be nice? By making one choice today, I'm going to begin to fear God. So let's pray. Father, we come right now. Every last man, every last woman, this applies to all of us, no matter our age. If we think we've gotten past this, we're setting ourselves up for a big drop. So Lord, first, if there's anybody here that does not fear God, they don't show him reverence. They don't show him the honor that he's due. Help them to start with that. Getting those first things first. Father, for those that maybe they've become a believer, but they're still got some pride in them, help them to ask. God, they can come to you and you won't point out their faults and you'll give generously and liberally, but they still need to ask. God, for a whole other group, it's time for a friend swap. You don't have to cut them off, but that's not the person you're going to get advice from. That's not the person that you're going to walk in those ways anymore. You're not going to do what they do and say what they say, or you're going to keep getting the results that they get. You're going to choose some wise friends. And as you walk with them, you learn new patterns. You learn new ways. 
So, Lord, I pray right now there'd be no pride, no ego, that we would realize that every last one of us, we're in desperate need of wisdom. There are circumstances we'll face that we've never faced before, and we don't know what to do. There's people right here. You're in a mess in your marriage. You're in a mess with your kids. You're in a way over your head in your spending, and, and or, or uh, you thought you were going to have retirement. You don't have retirement. You're, you're looking at how to go back to work, and it's a basis. It's a time for you to stop and ask God. You don't need to ask Charles Jones. You don't need to consult somebody else. You need to go right to the source of wisdom and knowledge, and that is the Lord God. And I would suggest starting today, instead of giving him a 20-minute window. So, Lord, we fall on your mercy this morning. We're imperfect, messed up people. Would you teach us to walk with the wise? Would you teach us to ask and to ask you when we don't know? Or maybe you point us to somebody around us. And would you remind us that fearing you, having that honor, that respect, that you're the top of the top, that that's the beginning of wisdom? We don't know it all. We haven't been there. We haven't seen it. But you have. Move on us. Work through us. Help us to not make foolish decisions, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.